Well, it's a morning recording of doable discipleship. Yeah, your voice really says it. <laughs> you can tell by the sound of my voice. Smooth jazz in the morning. <laughs> oh, welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship. It's another beautiful Tuesday and another episode coming at you. That's right. It's me, Doug Jones. Jason Whelan's back here. And of course, Doable Discipleship is a Saddleback Church podcast and YouTube show designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or as we so lovingly call it, the show that helps you grow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Trying to pep us up. With every episode, you turn it up like 10%, and I'm wondering what's going to happen My in another 30 episodes. My goal is to change episode. it every episode. <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to have like a uh, firework or something that I'm you gonna set gonna off. going to bring in a choir behind <laughs> me. Yeah. Well, we're kicking off a new series today, and I'm excited to jump into it, and you should be too. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Bible. And I know that Great. that may sound like a kind of a vanilla intro, but the, the fact is the Bible is the most influential document in human history, and yet it is one of the least understood books out there. It's true. A lot of even Christians find it confusing or mysterious or really intimidating. There might be parts of the Bible that you just don't even go near because you're like, I don't even know what to do with that section. And so in this series, we're going to be basically diving into a course that will help you study the Bible because every Christian needs to use this integral document in order to walk more closely with God. It is the way that God has revealed himself to us most clearly. So, exactly. So this is basically a Bible crash course. This is Bible 101. We're going to not only talk about uh, how to read the Bible, but also how to understand the Bible a little bit better. Um, we're going to answer questions like, what is the Bible? Great place to start. Uh, why does it exist? What kind of literature does it contain? Because, guys, it contains different kinds of literature. Who wrote it? Great question. Um, how can we read the Bible for all it's worth? These are the questions that we're going to be tackling over the next uh, few weeks together. And today, we're kicking it off with just a basic orientation, a basic overview of what the Bible is. So we're going to uh, have an introductory explanation to help you start to get your grip on this thing called the Bible. Yeah, we're excited to do it. And we're going to be joined by our good friend, Linda Tokar, who some of you who hang around Lake Forest might know because she's been a longtime teacher of foundations here. In fact, we kind of consider her one of Saddleback's Bible and theology gurus. She's taught foundations for about 14 years. She is pretty much the go-to person when it comes to this kind of material. And we're excited to uh, have her on the show today to help us talk about what the Bible is and why it's such a big deal. So when we come back, we'll have Linda. Linda, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. This is so fun. We've wanted you on the show for a long time. Do you know that? It's I, true. I don't know if I knew that. But thank well, you. we did. We've talked about you many times to have you on the show. We're 65 episodes in, and every time we're like, we could have used Linda on that one. And then we decided we were going to talk about Bible study, and we're like, well, now we're there. Now's the time. This is it. <laughs> now's the time. <laughs> Can we start off with the most introductory question, please? Sure. What's the Bible? <laughs> Well, and that's a fair question, right? Because most people have one on their shelf at home or several, yeah. right? And they talk about it as one book. They just say, well, this is the Bible. It's, but it, the Bible is actually more than one book. It's a collection of 66 books yeah. written by 40 guys over 1,500 years, three different languages, different continents. So it's a collection of books. It's just from the Latin word that means 
book. Yeah. But it's actually it's so aptly named <laughs> the book. The yeah. book. The good Hello, book, no my way. name's Person, yeah. <laughs> and I have a book. Yeah. But it's actually a collection of books. Yeah. But what's amazing about it is that this collection of books written by all these different guys that most didn't know each other, mm -hmm. didn't live at the same time as one another, it tells a single story. Yeah. From beginning to end, it's the story of God's love for, pursuit of, and redemption of people. Right. And so it's it's an incredible resource that we have, and it's um, we're just very fortunate to have access to it the way that we do. Yeah. So. It's an extremely powerful document. I, I've heard it said it's it's really more of a library than a book. It's, right. It's like a... It's an anthology. It's a big collection, right. and it's um, pretty incredible. It's, we're going to talk about some of the some of the details about it as we go. But um, this is one of the important aspects of this series: is that this is something that's so vital to the Christian life, and yet it's so poorly understood. And so today's really an orientation episode. Right. Absolutely. We're beginning to like, what is the Bible? How do we begin to handle it? How is it, you know, comprised and that kind of stuff? And it's going to be it's going to be good. That's yeah, I think it'll be great because I, th I know a lot of people that know little bits and pieces. They know stories. They've heard of characters, but they don't understand how it fits together or what the purpose yeah. of the whole thing is supposed to be. So. Yes, truly. Jason, take us on. Oh, great. So, so we talked a little bit about what is the Bible. So what is it that makes the Bible so special? Why is the Bible so special? Well, a big part of it is the Bible can be traced back to human authors Every book of the Bible has a human author that can be traced back to or thought of traced back to, mm -hmm. um, and it's but its content was actually given by God Himself, um, and that's it leads to a word that we're going to talk about in a little bit called inspiration. Mm -hmm. But it's just this idea: it has human authors, but really God is the overall author because He was inspiring the writing of each of the books. Mm -hmm. um, so, in, so as we break down, what does that mean? Really what we're talking about is God supernaturally worked in the hearts and minds of human authors and caused them to record his own personal message to mankind. Mm -hmm. And as Linda said, over the span of thousand years, you know, many, many, many years, all over the place, all different people. Um, and, and that's what's so amazing about it, is that it all comes down to God's message. Each part is a part of God's message. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, in other words, I, I just said that. Um, so this is why the Bible is regarded as the perfect and trustworthy word of God, because he's the ultimate author and protector of his word. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we that it's it's something that I have to think about all the time, and I think it's so important anytime we talk about the Bible, is it's not just a, a, a book, you know, that's old <laughs> and it's still here, it's still around. Right. It's that it's that with God as the author, he has protected it, he has navigated it through mm -hmm. you know all of history and even through now and beyond. It's 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 made its way and and God has ensured that it has, it has stayed the way it is. That it has, it has made it through, you know, all of the ups and downs of societies and cultures and everything. Is he's brought it to, to you know, to twenty eighteen and beyond. That's yeah. so cool. There's a lot of remarkable truths about the Bible in that regard. And, and one of the natural questions that comes to my mind is, how do you know the Bible came from God? We're going to touch on that in a few minutes. So if yep. you're if you're thinking that question, like, well, how do we, do we just take for granted that this came from God? No, we don't. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. Right. Um, so we'll touch on that in just a few. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the storyline, particularly the arrangement of the Bible. Sure. Because I think that's uh, something that's poorly understood. I right. mean, we know... It's, I think, 
a, a basic understanding of it is that it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Beyond mm-hmm. that, many people don't know much more. Some people just have the New Testament because they get those pocket New Testaments or right. whatever. Or Psalms, Proverbs, yeah. and the New yeah. Testament. Or they just don't go anywhere near the Old Testament because they know it's there, but it's just like frightening to them because it just represents this distant past that they feel like they can't. Or people think it doesn't matter too. There's people who are like, who who cares? It's old. (laughs) Yeah, it's the old one. I want the new. It's the outdated Testament. That's a drag too. It feels like that's. It feels like that's something that's happening more and more, where people kind of more and more are disregarding the Old Testament and just Mm -hmm. uh, just focus on the New Testament, focus on Jesus and that kind of stuff. Which is focus on Jesus. I'm all for that. Good thought. But if you say that by just looking at the New Testament, you're focusing on Jesus, I would argue you're absolutely wrong. Yeah. Because as we'll talk about as we go, Jesus is all throughout right. the, New, the Old Testament. And you can't really have a firm grasp on who Jesus is unless you have the lead up, the entire preamble to Christ, right. which yeah. is in the Old Testament. God is the author. He wants us yeah. to have the Old Testament too. Right. So it's... <laughs> yeah, Paul wrote that everything that's in there is for our learning. Yeah. And when he said that, he was pretty much referring... Everything in the scriptures at that point, he was referring to what yeah. we call our Old, Old Testament. Testament. Right. So if everything's there for our learning, we best ought to read it. You got that right. We best ought to. <laughs> so let's talk about the arrangement a little bit. I'll talk yep. a little bit about the Old Testament to begin with. So the Old Testament is basically the first roughly two-thirds or so of the Bible, a little bit a little bit less than that. It's the first big fat chunk. So you've got the Old Testament, which takes us all the way from Genesis all the way up through Malachi. There's some great songs if you want to memorize the books of the Bible. Just saying, yeah. That there's, it's a it's a great Kids way to memorize. KSG, learn them. Yeah, I learned them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah I did too. Easy Dan Hojo for Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Jonah, and all this. I had all these like goofy. I have no idea devices. what that is, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh Whatever man. Works. Easy Dan Hojo got me through a lot of the <laughs> minor prophets, <laughs> major minor prophets. Anyway, uh, so the Old Testament does uh, quite a few things. And as we go through these, I think it's going to become pretty self-evident that, you know, those are actually all important parts of the story right. that I really wouldn't want to leave out. Uh, to begin with, the Old Testament introduces God as the ultimate being and as the central character of history. Right. This is an important facet because we see in Genesis 1-1, and then this is carried out throughout the entire rest of the scriptures, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And actually, he himself is the first character that is introduced in the story. Mm-hmm. So the centrality of God within human history is a big, it's really a central theme throughout the entire Bible. So that's the first thing. It also accounts for the origin of the universe, the origin of life, and the human race. So we find in the beginning of the story this very broad-reaching um, introduction that includes everybody. There's nothing in all of existence that is not contained within these opening words. And so it kind of sets, it sets the tone for us because what it teaches us is that the story that's about to unfold in the, in the coming books is a story that pertains to everybody. Nobody's on the outside. Mm-hmm. Nobody can say, this doesn't really matter to me. This story is not really my thing. Because you're in it, whether you like it or not. If, right. the, if the story's true, you're in it. And that's an important one as well. It explains the existence of sin and death and why the world is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, off the top of my head, um, if you haven't listened to the Worldview series, episodes, what is it, 24? 23 through 20? I'll link them in the show notes, but make sure if you haven't listened to the Worldview series that we did um, last year that you go back and check that out because it'll talk a lot more about that, how sin came to be and, mm-hmm. and how everybody in every worldview longs to understand why the world is the way it is. Right. Why, why do we live in a world that's broken? Why is there pain? That kind of stuff. Um, the Old Testament helps explain that. Mm-hmm. It contains books of law that help provide stability to God's people. 
uh, and expose mankind's need for a savior. We'll talk more about that next week when we get into the genres episode, and we'll talk about the different types of literature in the Bible and what they do. Uh, and it describes the rise and the preservation of the nation of Israel. Uh, and this is and this is important because it's through the nation of Israel that God unfolds his ultimate plan to save mankind from sin and from death. And so I think that's one of the big tripping points in the Old Testament for people. Like, Why do I care to read about stories about some ancient nation on another continent? Um, why does any of that matter? Uh, but is, as we begin to understand the broad picture of the Bible, we start to see that those ancient stories actually still well, first of all, they were integral in bringing about the salvation that we enjoy, that we cling to, um, but that there are still lessons to be learned all throughout those Absolutely. passages. So the Old Testament is really everything that leads us up to the eventual coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. Anything you guys want to add on that before we move on to New Testament? I know there's more to say, but anything comes to mind? Well, I just, I always, one of the greatest things, discoveries in my journey in, in studying the Bible was realizing, because I used to see that Old Testament and New Testament is such separate things. You know, the Old Testament was laws and sacrifices and stories. And then mm. the New Testament was Jesus. Like they yeah. weren't related at all. And I remember it was Kay's Tabernacle mm. retreat back a million years ago when I went, Yeah. oh, it actually, like the entire Old Testament foreshadows Jesus. And he's on yeah. almost every page somewhere mm-hmm. pointing to him. And that was revolutionary for me because when you go back and read with that lens, it's like, oh, all of this matters. Yeah. The New Testament becomes so hollow. We're going to talk more about the New Testament in just a second, but the New Testament, in my in my view, just becomes so hollow when you don't have an, an understanding of the Old Testament. Did I say that right? The New Testement becomes yes. hollow if you well, don't yeah. have the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did I say Old Testament well, first? We serve a Jewish Messiah who lived in a Jewish culture and had Jewish people all around him, and yet in 21st century America, if we don't, if we don't take the time to understand all of what surrounded what where these stories took place and what was happening, we lose... Three quarters of what Jesus was saying. Yeah. Easily. Absolutely. It's like it's like going to see Infinity War when you haven't <laughs> seen any other Marvel movie ever. I recently saw that. There's people that did. And there's people that did. And I'm sure they had a really great time because it was a it was a bonanza. <laughs> like same thing. You could go to the New Testament and have a great time. You can learn a lot of cool stuff. But you won't understand the richness and the depth of every piece of the story Correct. if you don't know what led up to it. Right. I think too, like um you really need an understanding of the Old Testament to get a, com- a, a complete picture of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. come to fruition in the New Testament with Jesus. So I think be- because you read the Old Testament and you're following the story of Israel and you're like, wow, God is so faithful to these dumb people <laughs> <laughs> who just continue to, you know, you know, to do well and then mess up, do well and mess up. And you're We're like, just like us. They're just right? like us. Yeah. Totally. Which is um, why we need to... <laughs> and yeah. so that's why it's such a cool test, cool example or picture of God's, his faithfulness mm-hmm. through all of history. Totally. Um, let's talk, so about, let's the talk about the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, so the New Testament, it records the coming of the promised Savior, spoiler alert, that's Jesus, his teachings, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and return to the Father. It recounts the founding and the growth of the church uh, following Jesus' ascension and beginning with the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, 
read Acts. It's an amazing, incredible book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, it offers guidance for godly living and obedience to Christ. You can see that all throughout the epistles. Mm-hmm. And it predicts the events that will ultimately bring about the end of the world and the final flourishing of the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, that's Revelation. So, um, and by the way, if you don't know what epistles are, Stay tuned next week. Yeah, John, this episode, we'll talk detail. all about what a letter is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a letter, yeah. Yeah, it's a letter. <laughs> email. Yeah. Old-fashioned email. <laughs> Hand-carried email. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, long periods. Anyway, that's a little brief overview. Old Testament, New Testament, the highlights of each. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, there's three important words that we talk about um, extensively in Foundations. Mm-hmm. Linda being the Foundations guru, as, as Doug introed her. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about these three words. Let's talk about why they're so important um, for understanding the Bible. Okay, sure. So the first one is the word revelation. And basically, that just means that God has intentionally shown us who he is. He has taken the time and energy to reveal himself to us. He hasn't Mm. left us to figure it out. He's not capricious and hidden and doesn't want us to know who he is. He's gone to great efforts to make himself known to us. He intended to do that. He does it through creation. He does it through his word, and he does it through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I mean, and that's super important because there are whole faith groups that will tell you, oh, God's not knowable. No, God is knowable. He right. wants us to know him. And so revelation is just the truth that God has intentionally revealed himself to us. We don't have to try to figure it out. We're not, you know, going on an exploration to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. He's told us. And, there, and, and there's multiple facets in which he reveals himself sure. to us. But primarily for this one, we're talking about scripture. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When I, I sometimes hear people say, like, oh, why, uh, if if God wants me to know Him, why is He so hidden? Why it, does He not just speak to me or make Himself known to me? Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like, you have this massive document with an incredible amount of self-disclosure on God's right. part, <laughs> where he has revealed himself in, with thousands and thousands of pages. And no, it's the living word, and the Holy Spirit is active in it. So Yes. So there's that. But also, to your question, he has told us who he is, but in relationship with him, that's mm-hmm. where we come to understand more the things that are on paper. Right. right? Of course. So those that ask that question need to engage with who he said he is, and then... Yeah. As they build relationship with him, then they'll come to know him even right. more that way. Yeah. So. But we can make no argument that God has not made himself known to us, because he's done it in so many ways, and the Bible oh. is just one of those many right. ways. Yeah. Right. Great. Absolutely. So revelation, that's so a revelation. good word. The second truth that we talk about is called inspiration. And this is simply, it's just the process through which God gave us the Bible. So earlier we talked about the fact that there were human authors, mm-hmm. right. but that the Holy Spirit is the author. So how does that work? And short answer is we don't exactly know how the process went, but what we know is this, that the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of the men who wrote the Bible through mm-hmm. their personalities, through their, um, through who they were. They're, they're still themselves on paper, but in a process of him working through them, he gave them his words hmm. to give to us. And it's it's miraculous. We'd be lying if we said we knew exactly how it worked. Yeah. We don't believe that they were overcome by robot, you know, like robots. And yeah, they, like, you know, ah. yeah. It's not like that at all. I mean, in right. fact, most of the guys writing probably didn't realize I'm writing something that will last forever. They just wrote what they felt led to write. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Second Peter one twenty one is the verse that tells us that 
no prophet ever said what he wanted to say, but men carried by the Holy Script by the Holy Spirit mm. wrote God's words. That's good. Yeah. So um, that's what inspiration is. So it just says that in a miraculous way, the Holy Spirit worked through regular guys to create the Bible that we have mm. in front of us today. And there's that's a good. fun term for this called the verbal plenary view. I didn't know if we were going right? to get to go there. <laughs> oh, go there, go there, do it. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, so verbal plenary, it means basically the fact that it's not just that the ideas are kind of generally inspiring or or true, but that every word, exactly as it is, was intended to be that way. So verbs and exact place names and everything is exactly the way God wanted it. Mm -hmm. And when we get to talking about manuscript evidence, we're very confident that what we have in front of us today is very representative of exactly what was given when it was given. Yeah. And so it just means that every word, even the very, very words themselves, they all matter. It's not just yeah. general concepts. It's word by word. Yeah. God wasn't like, hey, here's kind of roughly what I want you to say, <laughs> but go ahead and say it in your own words. I have this yeah, thought. They just get the gist. Put it however you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, this is what he wants. So like there's places where you might look at the grammar, you know, um, let us make, you know, there's places where God is speaking in this plural, but then he uses a singular verb and you think, is there yeah. a grammar error? No, he's right. making a point. Right. So. Yeah. And that's, that's some important author stuff that we're going to talk about in the third week of this series as well. We'll talk about the author. We'll talk a little bit more about um, just the interesting way that <clears throat> you still see the individuality of the sure. author coming through, and yet you have God superintending that process and, and kind of guiding each and every word along the way. And that's a cool interplay. And that's, I think, the mysterious part where mm -hmm. you're like, how can it be word for word delivered by God and yet also um, carry the personality and individuality of the writer? That's a pretty interesting interplay. Yeah. I think there's actually, that makes me think of a lot of different things about just the Christian life and how totally. you know, we can become expressions of God's will on mm -hmm. earth, and yet we still retain our individuality. And mm -hmm. or as disciples, we're trying to become more like Christ, and yet we still remain ourselves in the same, along that process. So it's, it's cool the way God partners with human beings to accomplish things, but he does it um, without removing the individuality that God actually designed that person to exhibit right. in the first place. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, <laughs> There's yes. no doubting that. It's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Dope, am I right? <laughs> All right. Shall we go on to the word number three? We could do that. Indeed. We've covered revelation, inspiration, inspiration. And, and the third, third is illumination. And that's just this idea that the Holy Spirit, who guided the writers to write the Bible, also helps us to understand the Bible. And it's mm -hmm. that process of him working in the life of every believer, because every believer Anybody who's trusted in Christ has the Holy Spirit, and the mm. Bible tells us that He will help us understand the Scriptures. Yeah. So when you talk to somebody who's not a Christian and they just say, well, the Bible makes no sense, well, the Bible tells us that it makes no sense to yeah. unbelievers, right? Exactly. It actually says that you need the Holy Spirit to help you understand it, but it makes sense because He's the one that helped write it in the first place. Right. So illumination is just that, the fact, the way that He opens our eyes and our hearts and our minds and helps us to understand what we're reading in the Bible. Yeah, so. there's the giving of the word, and then there's the receiving of the word, and God is involved in both ends of that process. Right. Yeah. And who better to help us understand it than he who wrote it? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. He would know. <laughs> well, I think a, a question that we touched on earlier that I think is worth taking some time on now is, how do we know that the Bible indeed came from God? 
Linda. <laughs> oh, I'm back. I really would like to look to know, Linda. You would like to know. So there's kind of four categories of things that we look at when we talk about how do we know this. And the first is that the external evidence says that the Bible is an extraordinary book. So by the way, if you're familiar with foundations, this should sound familiar to you. We're mm-hmm. just gotta love it. And if you're not, it's in the show notes. Go watch it. Yeah. Go yeah. do it. Really? And right then you away. get this for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's a lot of external evidence in the world that we can look at to see that the Bible that we have in front of us is reliable and very much what was given originally. Mm-hmm. And we, we look at something called manuscript evidence. So manuscript copies are just copies from very, very early that were, you know, they were written down as manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have so much manuscript evidence for the Bible, more than most books that people would just assume exist, and yeah. there's like five or yeah. 10 copies. We have so much. So for the Old Testament, for example, most people are familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. right? Those date to about a century and a half or two before Christ, like 150 to 200 BC. So those are a long, long time ago. And there's copies of every single Old Testament book, fragments and copies from all of that. You also have the Septuagint version, mm-hmm. which was basically when um, Israel was in captivity um, under when they were building the Alexandrian library. Mm. Um, and they they gathered the 70 Jewish scholars and created a Greek translation of the scriptures. That dates to three centuries before Christ, 270 BC. Mm. And you can go look at that. There's copies of it online. Yeah. And you can see every book in the Old Testament. So we've got manuscript evidence dating thousands of years for yeah. the Old Testament. The New Testament, we have even more. There's over 5,000 different manuscript that we can compare and look at and set side by side and see that they are accurate to within just minor percentages. And it's like a spelling error. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, there's no doctrinal truth that is different from all these manuscript copies to now. Yeah. So it's false to say uh, the, I think the criticism that sometimes people say about the Bible is that, well, you know, it's just copied and recopied and recopied and recopied. And, re- and it's like telephone where it all just sort of falls apart over time. But that's not the case. We're oh, actually gosh. pulling from original documents that date way back close to the events that they actually record. Right. right. So there's a couple things with that. First of all, the closer a, a manuscript is to the original writing, the more reliable it's considered to be. Right. Right. So, like I say, with the New Testament especially, we have manuscript copies that date to within 70 years of when the original writings were done. Mm-hmm. So that's incredible. But the other thing that you have to know about this copying process is it wasn't like a game of telephone. Right. The process was very, very um, intense. The scribes- It was meticulous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, I would not want these guys' job, to be really honest, because so the scribes would sit there and the, to copy, they- they knew the the Hebrew and Greek languages are very they're very precise mm-hmm. languages. They knew how many letters were in a in a line and how many lines were on each scroll, and they mm-hmm. knew the number of letters, number of alphs, the number of betas. They knew all of that stuff. Yeah, and so it had to be exactly precise. And if they went through and the wrong number of letters were in the line, they didn't just use like you know ancient whiteout. They had to start over. <laughs> Um, they had to sit in full Jewish dress. They had to use a fresh quill every time they penned the name of God. They could only copy letter by letter. 
It wasn't like, eh, and then, you know, you write eight or 10 words. No, it was yeah. letter by letter. So it was very, very precise. Mm. Um, and what that tells us is that this was taken, this was a holy, a holy stewardship copying yeah. the scriptures. It wasn't like something you did on your day off. It was, that was your life, yeah. was copying the scriptures and making sure that they were exactly precise. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't random. It wasn't careless. It was extremely carefully, carefully done. Yeah. So the other external evidence that we have is the confirmation of archeology, span which again, one of the things that I love about the Bible is that a lot of times if somebody says, oh, well, it doesn't match science or it doesn't match this, it's just because the Bible's ahead of its time and, and mm. will catch up. Yeah. Because so many discoveries in archeology span have reinforced and supported things that were previously doubted. For example, yeah. like, you know, when you read in the Old Testament and they list all the, the ites, mm -hmm. the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the da 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 Yeah. And for a long time, the, the Hittite tribe, for example, people were like, well, we can't find any evidence of that. So mm. we don't, we think it was the whole thing up. is bunk. Yeah. So throw the whole yeah. thing out. <laughs> yeah. Out with it. Yeah. But then they discovered on a steel, it talked all about the Hittite mm -hmm. tribe, and lo and behold, and but that's like one example. I mean, you can... Yeah, there are hundreds of examples. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like, how many could I give? <laughs> how much time do we have? Um, but for a long time, they thought that... Um, people thought that the accounts of Solomon were over-exaggerated. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, does anybody need a thousand horses and a thousand chariots? Mm. But... Yes. Yes. Or, or once them, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there's just... There is more evidence than there's entire studies in just the archaeology of the Bible. Yeah. Most of the places that, you know that Luke talked about in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts have been confirmed mm -hmm. by archaeology. They can find the Pool of Siloam and the Areopagus and all these places. Right. They're real places. Yeah. So there's some great uh, archaeological study Bibles, too, and I'll link to uh, one of those in, in the show notes as well, because if you're looking for study tools, and we're going to recommend quite a few as we go through the series, um, that's a good one, because archaeological evidence, I think, is one of the really encouraging aspects of Bible study, where you're like, this stuff really is rooted mm -hmm. not only in ancient... It's not in ancient lore, it's in ancient history. history. Like These yeah. are things that actually occurred and are verified through disciplines that go beyond just the study of the scriptures themselves, that they're confirmed with the archaeological discipline. And that really, for me, bolsters my faith and my faith in God's Word. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I love the fact that even there are non-biblical writers who, like Josephus, right. who, when you read, he talks about, oh, and then there was Jesus who was killed and then was seen again by his followers, you know, and he... Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. a Wait, what? Say what now? Yeah. <laughs> he just writes it ancient double take. Yeah, but he's not. He was a Jewish historian. He yeah. was not necessarily motivated to protect the story of Christ the way maybe one of his followers would have. You know, you could uh -huh. say, oh well, he was one of his followers, so he's obviously going to say that happened. Well, right. no, that actually he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, no, so he didn't anyway. have a vested interest in that. Correct. Yeah. So just keep going, right? Yep. Um. So the second, so that's the external evidence that There's a ton. we have. There's a ton. Mm -hmm. There's also internal evidence that says that the Bible is a very unique book. First thing is that the majority of the Bible is from eyewitness accounts. If you go to court and you say, well, my mother's brother's sister's cousin said, you kind of go, yeah, right. Yeah. But when it's like, I saw, mm. I, this is what he said, I was there, that carries greater weight. That mm -hmm. makes sense to us. Well, most of the Bible is from written by 
men who were standing right there. They saw yeah. these things happen. Moses and Joshua and Daniel and King David, they lived these things and they wrote them down. Mm -hmm. So that's powerful. Right. The guys that wrote the gospels were there and they saw it and they walked with Jesus, you know? Right. And so that adds a different level of authority to it. Mm -hmm. Second, and we, we alluded to this earlier, we have this incredible agreement and consistency throughout the Bible. And I have heard people say, well, that's circular reasoning, the Bible confirming the Bible. But that's only if you forget that it's not <laughs> one book, it's 66 books written by 40 guys. I can't get Over 40 a huge people. span of time. Right, yeah. they didn't even know each other. Yeah. I can't get 40 people to agree on anything, <laughs> yeah. let alone something like this. Yeah. And so I think that when you begin to understand what the Bible is, the miracle of the consistency kind of right. jumps off at you because it's like, how could these guys... And the prophecy, I love prophecy, mm -hmm. because that's one of those things, these guys, how could Jeremiah and Isaiah, how could he have known yeah. 700 <laughs> years right. before? How could he have written about crucifixion when it wasn't... I mean, crucifixion... When it wasn't even a thing. <laughs> it wasn't even a thing. <laughs> yeah. the, the means of capital punishment in Israel was stoning. Yeah. And yet... In Psalm 22, and then, of course, in Isaiah 53, we talk about crucifixion. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's miraculous. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Right. There's absolutely no way that such a coherent document could be compiled by such separate people over such huge spans of time without, without a superior person kind of guiding Someone that process. Outside yeah. time. Exactly. Guiding the whole thing mm -hmm. for his purposes. I mean, it, it really doesn't... It's a bigger miracle to believe that you could get that many people to agree on anything yeah. than it is to believe that God actually did it. Yeah, you're you're way beyond statistical anomaly. I can just picture like when Daniel's right, you know, have the book of Daniel, whatever, and God's like, "I just wait until they read about this two thousand years from now." Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> oh boy, this is gonna put them through the loop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you're well, smirking when he inspired Daniel nine. So. That'll be fun because we're gonna talk. We'll talk about apocalyptic <laughs> yeah. literature next week, which is gonna be really, really fun. Um, but that's an interesting part of it is like the looking back. Some of the some mm -hmm. of the prophecy that's contained in the Bible wasn't clear at the time it was written. Yeah, no. Oh, but it was. It became clear in retrospect once those events actually took place. Oh, yeah. And that's really the case with apocalyptic stuff, which we'll come to next week. If you think apocalyptic only means the end of the world. You're wrong, yeah. but we'll cover all that next time. <laughs> Stay tuned. Let's keep going. Okay, so sorry. external evidence, internal evidence. Personal evidence. Yeah. The personal evidence says that the Bible is a powerful book. So the Bible is the world's best-selling book. Hmm. Um, bar most, none. Bar none. <laughs> bar and away. And like I say, most people own multiple copies of it yeah. today. So, and it changes lives. But it ha it itself has not changed. That's, I think, the thing that's so powerful is that I can, my grandma told me a truth and I can tell my kids that truth and they can tell their kids that truth and it will still mm. be true. Yeah. It is powerful and it is true and it does not change. And, you know, I mean, around here, we always talk about being addicted to seeing changed lives. Well, lives don't change because of anything you or I or pastor says. It's because of God's word. Mm. God's word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, all yeah. that good stuff, right? Did you make that up? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. Not that smart. Um, and then the last thing that we do know, how we know the Bible came from God, is if you accept the testimony of Jesus, which I would and I would recommend others as well, mm -hmm. he was very clear that the Bible came from God. He talked about the fact that 
both the Old Testament, you know, he, he quoted it constantly. Oh, yeah. And, and so did the apostles. Right. Mm-hmm. He quoted Deuteronomy so much. I mean, all of the things in the Old Testament. In fact, there's most of the stories that are most questioned. Noah, Jonah, Sodom and Gomorrah. People like that didn't really happen. Yeah. It's just, a, yeah, well, Jesus thought it did. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm willing to go with his assessment. Yeah, you can't believe in Jesus and throw out the Old Testament. Yeah. Because you're, no. you're throwing away a lot of the underpinnings for what Jesus said. He himself said this this is what the scriptures meant when they said this, right. that, and the other thing. So he's referencing these things as true. So if you take Jesus as true, you you really need to start taking a serious look at the Old Testament absolutely. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. That's true. I, I love, I, to me, these the three pieces of evidence that you talked about are extremely powerful, but you just talked about one a second ago, which is the that, that personal evidence. The One of the things for me when I think about the Bible, I'm like, why do I... If people ask me, why do you believe the Bible? Why do you build your life on this? And a big part of it is just because it works. Yep. When you do it, it act, like if you do what the Bible teaches, you'll actually see you'll actually see transformation in your own life. Right. And that in itself is evidence that it's rooted in something that's that's true and real, and not just it's not just this it's not just this wish fulfillment that that people think of it as. It's not just like human beings creating something that they want to exist or something, because for one, there's a lot of things in the Bible that humans wouldn't come up with and wouldn't want to, to exist. <laughs> um, so that's a whole other thing. Um, but these are principles that are just, they just work. If you apply them to, their, to your life, you see your life change. And that in itself is a powerful, powerful yeah, piece Chuck of evidence. Chuck Colson mm-hmm. used to say that the biblical worldview was true, but it's the one that conforms the most to reality. Yes. Like when you... <laughs> When you read it, it rings true. Does it account for the world that we actually find ourselves right. in? Right. And yeah, it does. It in does. In a powerful way. Better than any other explanation out there. Yeah. So, so it's old, but that's not, that doesn't mean it's that it's not it a knock on It's yeah. not a knock. <laughs> I thought about this a while back. I don't know if I said it on the show or not, but one thing that I was thinking about a while back is like, you know, we always wrestle with anything old because when it's something rooted in like ancient history, it, you know, it's, it's easy for us if we're not if we're not if we're kind of unthinking about it to just sort of take pot shots at it like oh like is it really real is it really true is this, did these events really happen whatever but I actually think that um, it was pretty vital that God rooted that the the writing of God's word actually happened at an ancient time because that's actually what makes it timeless mm-hmm. if you if the Bible let's say were being written today in our time a thousand years from now no one would know what any of the things were that were being referenced. <laughs> like it would, it would contain like technological things and stuff that would make no sense down the road. But <laughs> the fact that it was written in this ancient time frame actually kind of lends it some timelessness because forever people will know what horses are and houses are and swords are and food is and all that stuff. Fish. So it contains yeah. all these really fish. Yeah. <laughs> what is this fish? <laughs> we only have. I don't know. We grow fish-like product in a <laughs> in a lab now. Mm-hmm. We know what these things are and we'll always know what those things are. So there's actually a timelessness that comes from the mm-hmm, age of the Bible mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we'll always know what these references are, even though there's a lot of ancient context and stuff, which we'll also talk about in coming weeks in this series. Um, we're able to, to, to grip these essential truths of the Bible and they don't right. get lost in, in too many of these things that just aren't knowable to us anymore. Right. And anything that we don't understand, like Jewish culture and some of that stuff, we can go back and learn because it's well-documented. Yes. Precisely. So. Jason, you want to talk to us about some doables? I always want to talk about doables. 
Uh, guys, just as a reminder, always make sure to stay through to the end of the episode. If you've made it this far, you're here. But uh, if you're like, <laughs> I don't normally make it this far, continue to do so because we get to some doables. We put it into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a couple of good ones today that are going it, to, it's kind of important for the whole series at, at large. First, we mentioned earlier foundations, Bible 1 and Bible 2. If you liked what you heard today, go back and, and watch or listen to Bible Part 1. And then in Bible Part 2, you get all these great metaphors, you get all these great things of what the Bible does for you. It's um, So go and watch those, linked in the show notes below. Um, if you if you go online right now and watch Bible Part 2, you'll even see Linda teaching it. That's true. Um, and then get a good get a Bible... Download a Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, pick one up. Um, don't fret over all the different types of Bibles. We're going to talk about those. Mm-hmm. Just get one. Mm-hmm. And then um, and download a Bible app. version is probably the most, most common, most popular. It's a great one. Do mm-hmm. it. Um, also, guys, stick with us for the full four-week series. This is called Bible Crash Course because we're hitting all the important things that you ought to know uh, in order to get into this uh, book. Yeah, so, and whether you, you whether you are a long term student of the Bible or you're just you know just sort of sticking a toe in the water for the first time, I guarantee you're going to learn some stuff in this series yes. that you did not know before, and that's going to enhance your reading of the Bible. So do make sure you stick around to the entire series. Linda, thank you for joining us. We'll My see you again in a couple weeks. You'll be back in Absolutely. two weeks to talk with us about authors. Uh, all right, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning into Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.